In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. My name is Nadja Parker, and welcome to HBCU Journeys, a special edition podcast series brought to you by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In this 10-part series, our team of reporters, Rosalind Bentley, Eric Sturgis, and Ernie Suggs, dig into the heart of what makes an HBCU experience so unique through candid experiences with people who enjoyed them the most. In our final episode, we chat with Carvis Jones, a Rust College graduate who was able to use his campus resource to propel his sports journalism career forward. Eric, can you tell us a little bit more about him? Yes, Carvis is a Rust College graduate, and what you will learn through the interview is how much he loved Rust College and how that experience there and working at the TV station helped shape him and help him to prepare for his future career, and how a Jackson 5 song became his signature phrase. Well, do we get to hear him sing this Jackson 5 song? Well, I was going to ask you to do it. I don't want to scare you. Well, I think we'll just let the listeners check it out for themselves. Check out this episode. My name is Carvis Jones, and I'm a production assistant at Fox Sports South and Fox Sports Southeast here in Atlanta, Georgia. I've served in this capacity since November 2006, and before that, I was an engineering operator at WMC TV in Memphis. And I'm a graduate of Russ College in my hometown of Holly Springs, Mississippi, where I received a bachelor's degree in mass communications broadcast journalism in 2003. Were you always interested in going to Russ College? Believe it or not, Russ College wasn't my first choice. Actually, my first choice was Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana. And I guess Ball State was my first choice because when I was a I guess student at Holly Springs High School. My oldest sister lived in Muncie, Indiana, and she got a job working for the Social Security Administration. And so I went up there one summer after high school, should I say on summer vacation to visit my sister, fell in love with the city. And I came really close, uh, going to Ball State, offered me a no scholarship. And I guess a lot of people in the Holly Springs community loved me so much because I was a member of the Student Council, the Marshall County Youth Leadership Program, and a lot of people around the community looked up to me, so a lot of people wanted me to stay home. So that's how I became, should I say, that's how I ended up attending Russ College. Did you have any idea about what you wanted to study when you first attended Russ? I always wanted to study broadcast journalism. Since I'm a TV news junkie, I just have love and passion for news, and then of course I'm a sports junkie as well. So a combination of those two equals great combination. And what did you like about broadcast journalism? I guess growing up in Holly Springs, Mississippi, I, just, I guess I just have a love of knowledge. I'm a bookworm, so after school every day, I used to tune in the Action News 5, WMC TV in Memphis, and one of the first people I used to watch every night was none other than former 11 and, 11 and Live News anchor Brenda Wood, who worked in Memphis in the mid-1980s. And then after she left Memphis, she came to Atlanta, and then when she left Memphis, it just seemed like 
I was kind of hurt, but at the same time, I knew she wanted to grow in her career. So I still watch WMC Action News 5. And she's probably one of the people who influenced me to work in broadcasting. And then, of course, later on down the road, WSB TV news anchor Javita Moore. She was a weekend news anchor at WMC when I was in high school. So I watched her all the time on the weekend. So it just seems like Memphis has always been a stamping ground for people who work in Atlanta television. So I just have a passion for working, should I say, watching TV news ever since I was real little. And what did you know about Russ College before you um, arrived on campus? I knew it was, of course, like I said, from being from Holly Springs, Mississippi, one of our most notable residents, Ida B. Wells. Ida B. Wells paved the way for a lot of people, including ourselves, since we worked in the media industry in the stories that she told back in the late 1800s and early 1900s about the lynchings that happened in the South. And then because she spoke so much truth that she was ran out of Memphis and moved to Chicago. So that's one of the things I noticed about Russ College. When she was a student, she got a spell because she got into a class with the college president. So that's one of the first things I noticed about Russ College when I attended. And believe it or not, I graduated from Russ College two times. Once as a member of the Russ College daycare class in 1986 at five years old. So Russ College has always been a part of me, part of my life. Okay. And I'm assuming you didn't remember much from that <laughs> kindergarten experience when you arrived as a college student. So what was that experience like when you first got to Russ? Well, believe it or not, the people who taught me, should I say who was kind of like my babysitters doing Russ College daycare, they were still there. So every once in a while when I um, had, you know, free time. I used to stop by the daycare center, talk to my, you know, I guess my caretakers, Miss Martin and Miss Spike, and they played an important role and they were great caregivers. So it was just my way of giving back to the people that, that took care of me when my parents had to work. So I'm just thankful, blessed to, for people like Miss Martin and Miss Spike every day. So that must have made you feel a little bit more comfortable when you arrived on campus. Right? Yes. And of course, like I said, Holly Springs is a small community where everybody knows everybody. So just one big happy family. And when you first got to Russ, did you immediately start taking journalism classes or what did, how did that work? Well, basically, I guess with my work study, I was, you know, had the opportunity to work for the college TV station. One of the things I enjoyed so much about Russ College that it's probably one of the few HBCUs that have a TV station and a radio station on campus. So basically, I just, when I got on campus, I just said this is what I wanted to do. So I just wanted to get a feel for the facility. So one of my, I guess the person who was over my supervisor at Worcester, Mr. William Johnson, he, you know, got me under his wings and he took me to a couple of high school football games since, like I said, we did Holly Springs high school football games on Friday night. So. I did a little bit of grill where I pulled the cables and made sure the TVs and stuff were all set up for the high school football games. So I just learned that my freshman year. And then I guess about a month after I got into Russ College, I auditioned for, I guess, for a position of sports director for the college campus TV station. So I was successful becoming, you know, the main sports anchor. So I learned a little bit here and there about what it takes to produce a newscast so that was a lot of fun so you wanted to do a little bit of everything yes and then of course i was a sports editor for the rustorian newspaper and then i did a little bit of rust college basketball too my freshman year on the campus radio station so i did a little bit of everything did you find at the time that 
you know, the equipment, the resources, were they, what were they like? Were they, were they in good shape or did you find, you know, that? It's funny that you said that because I guess at the time I attended Russ College from 1999 to 2003, at the time we didn't know that the landscape of the media was changing. So I guess a lot of the editing equipment were on three quarter inch beta tapes. So probably my junior year, we started going nonlinear and digital. And at the time, we didn't know that nonlinear editing was going to be, you know, what it is today. And then had a tapeless, you know, having newscast that's tapeless now. So we were on the cutting edge of technology and just didn't realize it at the time. And one of the things that makes an HBCU experience unique is, you know, you're, you're doing more with, in some cases, fewer resources. Did you find yourself in that situation at Rust? I don't think so because I had a great networking support system, like I said, with my work studies uh, manager, Mr. should I say supervisor, Mr. Johnson, and then of course, Mr. Wayne Fittis, who was the program director for the radio station at Russ College. So basically they had switchers, they had audio boards, so I could play with the equipment and then at the same time, I could mess up a little bit and then I took courses in TV and radio production. So basically just getting my, you know, I guess my mind focused in the, in the books and then at the same time getting hands-on training. And I know you said you covered high school sports. Did you also get an opportunity to cover any of um, Russ College's athletics? Yes, I was the play-by-play -play person for the Russ College men and women's basketball team my, from my sophomore year to my senior year. So I had a lot of fun doing that. And then of course, people around the Holly Springs community tuned in. Every night we had a broadcast. So. I was kind of surprised, actually, because I thought there's only Russ College students watch their basketball games just to, you know, see my talent. So the people around the Holly Springs community saw me and said they was real proud of me, told me to keep up the great work. And then I guess sometimes, too, being well-known in my hometown, there's a lot of responsibility, responsibilities. Because I think sometimes I was real critical of some of the players, and then sometimes I kind of got brushed back by some of the you know, people who played on the basketball team, as well as, I guess, some of my friends who I went to school with, and I just told them that I just want to make you better. And so I'm not trying to be critical, just to be saying, you know, to be critical. So I just want you to be a better person and a better athlete. What, can you talk about what, why did you, what, why was that important for you to talk to, the, to players about that, or to get that message across to them? I guess sometimes, ooh, that's a great question. I guess a lot of times in this 24-7 news cycle where you see, you know, I guess on their talent that they're critical about athletes and some of the things that they do and everything. So I guess sometimes just, you know, being friends with some of the athletes and everything, I think something. I guess in order to be a friend, you got to be a friend. So, I, like I said, that you can learn much more about yourself if you get, you know, nice feedback for some of the things you're not doing right. So, I was just trying to, I guess I looked at it from an athletic standpoint since I played high school football in high school and then played a little bit of basketball in high school as well. So, I kind of, I guess in my years of doing broadcast, you know, doing the Russ College broadcast, I try to put the player perspective in mind and then that's a, I guess, as a, you know, what's the word I'm trying to say, an objective broadcaster.
Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm curious, um, you know, you as an African-American male, you know, and being at an HBCU, you know, doing play-by-play, you know, working these games and, you know, how special was that for you? It was very special. As a matter of fact, like I said, I was a member of the Holly Springs High School football team my junior and senior year in high school. And believe it or not, history was made on that squad that was on my junior and senior year because one of my teammates happened to be a high school, shall I say, a high school All-American, Jeremy LeSher, who was a USA Today All-American. He was, it was the first time in our school's history that someone made it, you know, made it on their list. And if I'm not mistaken, a person by the name of Eli Manning was also an All-American in the same class with Jeremy LeSher. And Jeremy later on became the first player from the state of Mississippi to play for the Michigan Wolverines football team. And in the history of that football program, who would have thought that someone from a small town from Holly Springs, Mississippi, would play for one of the top colleges, college football teams in the nation. So I was happy to be his teammate, and it was a lot of fun following the team. And I guess, as you were saying about being a role model to the players, some of those same people I, same people I was teammates with, they played, you know, they kept on playing out that little Holly Springs High School. So when they used to hear me on TV all the time, they told me that they they were really impressed with some of the things that I said about them. And then I gave them the analysis about the mindset of the other team. So it helped them, you know, towards their next game. And then I think my sophomore year, when I, the first year I started doing high school football for my old high school, my old high school went to the state football tournament for the first time in the school's history. And I was wanting to go back to it, the announcing again. Did you have a catchphrase? Was there like a saying that you used to say on a particular play? Crazy that you said that because, believe it or not, I used to sing the song, Show Me the Way to Go by the Jackson. So anytime I sung that song, it seemed like the Holly Springs High School football team scored a touchdown almost every time I sung that song. So, hey, I guess sometimes. Give us a few bars. What's that? Give us a few bars. (laughs) I'm good. I am good. Singing is not one of my strong points, but for some reason, I was just being myself, so I'm good. And I guess as I got older, singing is not one of my strong points. Where did that come from? Because I mean, I know, you know, I think about like um, Stuart Scott, you know, he used to always have the catchphrases. You know? Yeah, Booyah. Yes. And Boom Shakalaka. I it, guess, did it just come natural to you? I think it came natural because, like I said, being from Holly Springs, we had two radio stations named the 2.7, and growing up, my uncle, Every Jones, his um, his name was Drummer Boy to a lot of people around Holly Springs. So I used to listen to 92.7 before I went to school. So one morning, that son came on the radio, and I guess it just started from there. And what did people tell you about it? They Most of the... People that I talked to started laughing at me. They thought it was hilarious. So um, I was wondering, you know, like you got to do so many things there in the um, in the in the department there at, at Russ College, and also working at the student newspaper. Um, 
you know, what did you know? How did those skills you know translate to what you were able to do once you graduated? Okay, just a little story, right quick. And I guess during my junior year in two thousand one, the NBA's Memphis Grizzlies moved to Memphis from Vancouver, BC. So that was the first time that Memphis ever had a professional, should I say, a major league professional sports team. And being from Holly Springs, Memphis, only thirty minutes away. Memphis tried so long to get an NFL expansion team since the 1960s, and any time the opportunity presented itself to get a team, Memphis was always on the short end of getting a team. So, and I guess years later, when Miami, Charlotte, what else? I'm trying to think of some other franchise. You know, New Orleans got a franchise. Nashville got a franchise. So all these southeastern cities ended up getting major league professional sports franchises. And probably in 1997, Nashville ended up getting the Tennessee Oilers at the time that later became the Tennessee Titans and the Nashville Predators. But anyway, I was so happy that Memphis got a professional sports team. And I was thinking to myself that I was going to go to some of the games and check out some of the top stars in the NBA. And not knowing that I was going to be one of the first people to cover the team when they first came to town. So when I first started covering the team, Pau Gasol was the superstar for the Memphis Grizzlies in that year. He won rookie of the year. But anyway, I covered the team, and I probably went to about 21 games that year. So working the games and covering the games and interviewing the players, and one of the best parts about that, I got a chance to network with some of the sports writers and beat writers for different NBA teams during the time I went to, to the games. And so that led me to my internship at WMC-TV in Memphis, which at the time was my dream job because I always wanted to work at WMC, like I said earlier, that Brenda Wood was the person who inspired me to work in broadcasting along with Joe Burge, Jarvis Squirrel, Dave Brown, and the late Jack Eaton. And so I ended up getting an internship a year later at WMC. And like I said, I had so much fun. And I think with the skills I learned from Russ College, like nonlinear editing, I was prepared for my internship and the people at the station when I did my internship were so impressed with me that probably after my internship was over, I still came back to the station to help the sports department out any way, any way I can. So I think that drive and passion for sports and editing and making sure the shows look good every night kind of drove me to pursue my dreams and work for the station. Do you think that you would have gotten that same type of experience if you had not gone to an HBCU? I don't think so because one of the things I enjoy about the HBCU experience because, you know, it's a small, you know, small family. Everybody knows everybody instead of a number. So I think when your professors know you on a first-day basis and give you a critique of yourself and your peers, that's a win, you know, that's a winning combination. Do you remember some of the advice that they gave you? They just told me to start networking, like I said, just learn much as you can about the industry, and just, just know media law and media ethics too, because I think that's another thing that's missing in today's landscape because of social media such as Facebook and Twitter, where people can offer their opinions and everything, which is nothing wrong with it, but at the same time, I think objectivity. Right now, it's a missing art in our industry. So sometimes I think with being adjusted in the stories that you present to your viewers and readers, that's important. So I guess your readers and viewers won't notice, I guess, any tendencies or bias in the stories that you present to them. Did that give you more confidence yes. once you got out into the industry? Yes. Tell me a little bit more about that. Any specific examples? Well, basically some of the, I guess, highlights that I edit. 
because you know a lot of times especially in live tv when you have players and stuff using foul language sometimes on the you know on the floor and sometimes it, you know with mics everywhere it can get picked up and so sometimes when i edit highlights and stuff i have to be real careful sometimes to make sure no foul language is used and then sometimes with fans with t-shirts and stuff they may have some you know some crazy language sometimes so i think sometimes you just have to use good judgment when you present information to your viewers and your readers so i think a lot of times you just have to be real careful with your work and pay attention to the simplest detail and you talked about media ethics and how you don't see that as much as it, I guess it used to be in the industry. I was wondering if, you know, going to an HBCU and, you know, some of the things that you learned at Rust College, you know, how did that translate into the work that you do now and making sure that, I guess, packages are presented in a, in a way that's accurate and fair? Great question. And like I said, basically, I worked in sports for most of my career. So I guess in the two... I've been in the industry almost 15 years now, probably two in news. So I think that um, editing, like I said, is real important because you definitely want your package to look good and make it presentable to your audience. And I think one of the things I learned too, the importance of having great audio video correlations because a lot of times you don't want the audio to be too loud because you know how sometimes that can affect someone's hearing sometimes and then some of the stuff. I guess with editing too, you want to make sure you don't see no color bars, you don't want to see no black holes because it just seems like if you see that on TV, that's showing that you don't care about your work. So you definitely want to present your information to your viewers so they can keep on reading your products or watching your products every night or every day. And I think you said that you've gone back to Russ College and to the, uh, the department. So wonder if you can tell me a little bit more about what you do when you go back there. And like I said, being a native for Holly Springs, Mississippi, I always enjoy, you know, I always enjoy going back to the Russ College campus and just tell the students about what to expect once they get out into the real world. Because like I said, with social media, it's dominating the landscape in the media now. So I tell them all the time, be careful what you post and tweet because everything that lives on the internet lives forever. So even though you may say some a few things or do some you know crazy stuff on social media with snapchat or facebook live sometimes but you still got to present yourself in a professional manner because sometimes when these recruiters look at potential students that they want to hire they look at your social media footprint so i tell them all the time be careful what you post and tweet because you never know who's reading your stuff and when you go back to russ college uh, it seems like you know that's something that you get a lot of joy out of and I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about, you know, that feeling when you do go back and you share the information with fellow I, students. I guess it's just my way of giving back to the people of Holly Springs, Mississippi, because Holly Springs has always lived in me, and I just love my hometown so much. And so I guess I just want to be a role model to myself as well as, well as the people of Holly Springs, because much as I love my hometown, Sometimes I feel that Holly Springs sometimes can be depressing because the city has gone through so much with people losing their jobs. And so I just want to be that person who can you know, provide hope for the residents. And I think one of my proudest accomplishments was probably back in 2012 and 2013 when I was announced the United Negro College Fund's Outstanding Young Alumnus of the Year representing Russ College. So that was a big honor for me. And like I said, I never realized that how much of an impact I made on the students and then the faculty and staff members at Russ College during my tenure there. So I just love Russ College and I love Holly Springs. 
and beforehand outside, you seem to know so much about Russ College. Yes. And Russ College, like I said, claimed the fame is out of B. Wells. And then another person I probably didn't mention it, I guess earlier was Evan Childress, who played in the TV show Amos and Andy. He was a Russ College graduate. And then Clint LaSure, he's a Russ College graduate. And then if you're a disco fan, Anita Ward with the song Read My Bell, she's a Russ College graduate too. And then, like I said, Russ College in the heart of Holly Springs, Mississippi, between Memphis and Tupelo. So if you're a music fan, whether you're a stats person or you like R&B, blues, gospel, rock and roll, you just got a combination of music. So I think sometimes that music, the music at that sometimes kind of kind of plays a special part in my life too. And at the outset, you said you initially didn't. Russ College was not your first choice, but it sounds like you felt like you, it turned out to be the right choice. For yes. You. It was the best decision I ever made now looking back in retrospect because I guess in 2002 as well, I was awarded the Russ College Male Student of the Year first runner up a month. And I was selected amongst my you know, classmates and the faculty staff at Russ College. And like I said, I just didn't realize how much of an impact I made on the students during my time there. I was just a person from Holly Springs, Mississippi, just wanted to have fun and you know, as I transitioned from being a young person to a you know, young man to, a, to an adult. So, best time of my life, and I'm happy that, you know, I decided to go to Russ College now. And I'm just curious, like, when you run into young people, you know, who may not know much about Russ College or much about HBCUs, what do you tell them about the HBCU experience? I tell them that it's gonna, the HBCU experience is a family atmosphere. That everybody knows your professors knows you by your first name instead of a number, depending on what school you went to. And I think one of the advantages about Russ College that it's a school between 750 to 1,000 students every year. So with that small school setting, that you get hands-on experience and then you get a chance to know your professors one-on-one and they want you to succeed. And then you get to sing a little bit during the broadcast, huh? Yes, <laughs> sing a little bit. <laughs> Let me show you the way to go. Show you, show you way to go. <laughs> well, well, Carvis, um, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. And I was wondering, you know, since you know you're a radio guy, if you can just take us out. Okay, I'm Carvis Jones, and this is my HBCU journey, Russ College class of 2003, Carvis Jones. This concludes our 10 part series. We like to give special thanks to Rosalind Bentley, a graduate of FAMU, Eric Sturgis, a graduate of NYU, and Ernie Suggs, a graduate of North Carolina Central University. We'd also like to shout out Ryan Horn, our producer, and our photographer, William Thweet, who is a graduate of Florida State College at Jacksonville. To read more about HBCU graduates and to read our whole series, log on to myajc.com for a full array of stories, videos, charts, and photos about the history and fate of America's black colleges. I'm Nadja Parker, a proud graduate of Spelman College, and thank you for listening to HBCU Journeys. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.